0: Welcome to You Are Not Alone, a recovery podcast. My name is Matt Jay, and on this show, we're here to share our experience, strength, and hope with addiction, alcoholism. You can reach out to the show at notalonerecovery.com. I have links to the podcast, social media, all of that stuff. And now today, we're gonna talk a little bit about alcoholism and our issues. I'm so proud of myself. I didn't have my little script up. And I'm like, all right, can I do this from the top of my head and sound like a professional? And I did it today. I've got the usual cast of characters in here, John I, Steve C. Gentlemen, how you doing? Good, good, good evening.
1: Man.
0: How are you? Good. What's yeah. going on in your lives? What's good to hear?
2: Despite the, heat. the humidity finally broke. Right. You think it August, broke? August in June. Well, we had four days of record temperatures. In the uh, in mechanical engineering world, design days for the last four days, and it's been brutal. Um, but not too much to, brutal to go out and do a nice alcoholic thing like ride your mountain bike. Oh, out you're out of your mind for, for two hours today. But, yeah? The humidity but, uh, did not break today. It's gross out. It just it's breaking now. But yeah, it was it's up there. Breaking. Hey, what do you do? I mean, oh, dinner is served. <laughs> I literally just
0: wolfed down dinner.
2: <laughs> I um, have a good wife.
0: I'm missing steamed green beans. Um, yeah, I was a good perfectionist, and I ran out to my garden to look at the bok choy to see. Did it bolt? And I looked down into it, and I'm like, I can see the little buds starting to form. And I'm like, I'm going to take that and put it in the fridge. And I don't want to waste any of the vegetables that I grew because I am a perfectionist. <laughs>
1: That you are, I have uh, problems, especially with your garden.
0: Hell yeah, I uh, my my symptoms of alcoholism come up
1: when it comes to things like my garden. yeah yeah, my, mine come up in lots. I was talking to another alcoholic today about that mine, mine come up in lots of areas. it's very it's very apparent nowadays to me how much it affects all aspects of my life. You know, where before I was just thinking it was just, it was just, I drank too much. It was just alcohol. Uh, but now, now I, I treat a lot of things. I have, I have the, you know, like John said, you know, out, out there, you know, 60 plus years old on a mountain bike for two hours in this hot weather. That's alcoholic thinking.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah but I, you know, I, I agree with you, Steve. Um, there's a lot of things that I see in myself today. You know, because I I recognize in myself that's alcoholic behavior, you know, perfectionism. Oh, my God. You know, I'm just trying to uh, I I work at a museum that hasn't had anybody in my capacity there ever. And I'm charged with getting their uh, their heating and air conditioning and humidity straightened out for the collections. And, you know, I got to be I got to be perfect. You know, I want to I want to make this thing perfect. You know, good enough is not going to settle. I want to, you know, it's a challenge. It's a beat. It's a war. And, you know, it's a war. That's the way I look at it. And, damn it, I'm going to win. You know, whatever it's going to take, I'm going to win. And, you know, and that's, it goes to outline. And, you know, and, you know, uh, Bill's story, I have arrived, you know, that, that old sense of, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, go back and I'm going to do it again. You know, when he, when he got, when he got kicked down uh, after the stock market crash, oh, I can relate so much to Bill Wilson these days.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, um, there's another podcast that I like, the recovered, the recovered podcast. And he has a link on his website where you can kind of contribute and they'll play your sound cuts. And I, I'm able to link up this stuff and do a little share for him. And it sounds really good. And I was like pacing back and forth last night. And I'm like, was I too cute with that? Should I not have shared again? Uh, should I not have said what I said? Was I coherent? Was I, you know, am I going to piss them off instead of, you know, Hey, I contributed positively. Um, I'm constantly thinking that what I do, regardless of my best intentions is going to piss somebody off. It's not perfect enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've made great strides from that. I used, used to be the same thing. Things had to be perfect. And I was, what, what that caused was um, constant dissatisfaction with everything I did. Um, you know, so I, I had to make some changes, right? I had to be one of those things I worked on uh, because I needed if I want serenity in my life, then I need to be satisfied with certain things. So I've made great strides in that. Uh, I really have where I don't need to. I don't need to be perfect, but um, but you know I still get caught up in it. Listen, we're all, we're all humans, um, and we and we have this we had this affliction, and uh, I can still get caught up in that. And uh, one of the things that keeps me sane and sober is uh, working with another alcoholic and seeing like seeing their character defects come out and go. Oh yeah, I do that too, or I used to do that too, or I've I've had a way, I've found a way to fix that now so uh so it is so you know i mean it like i won't i won't go out ride. i mean this sounds like i won't go out and ride a bike on a day like today for two hours i don't care like i won't do that um yeah, you know, I just like and a matter of fact I go out I'm I'm outside doing my work this to these days at six AM I start. And and usually at lunchtime I quit and I'm done. I just I just not gonna do the heat anymore. Um, you know, I just like no, I don't need that at this age and um so anyway, um I'm you know, I'm learning. I'm learning. So if you ride fast enough you get the wind chill effect. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure there's a wind chill, but there's a breeze, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all you.
1: Yeah, so I what going to.
0: What the hell was I going to share? I totally lost my train of thought on this. I was going to go somewhere. Oh, I know where it was. This is off topic. So we're going to talk tonight about the wreckage. Uh, you, what did you call it? I called it the wreckage of the future. You, you added another word in there, John.
2: Um, our Thursday night men's group is a topic living in the wreckage of the future. Yeah, I, last that's, week I was living the in the
0: wreckage of the future, yeah. and it was terrifying to me um but i was telling i was telling your sponsor john yesterday uh no it wasn't yesterday I'm like, god damn i'm thinking yesterday is monday i'm so off here but i turned around to the guys and i go you know what i saw Jen Psaki announce that if we hit 70% vaccination rate every american gets a free beer from anheuser busch and from doordash And my immediate reaction is I'm getting screwed because I'm an alcoholic. I don't get a free beer. I picked the wrong time to get sober. I should have picked just after this. That was literally, and I have no interest in drinking, but my immediate reaction was I am frustrated and I am pissed off that that's the case.
1: And you're getting chipped. You are. You're getting chipped on a free beer. Um, Bush light. <laughs> <laughs> One's too many and a million's not enough. That's right, it, baby. There just isn't enough alcohol for this alcoholic anymore. And
0: it was a guy, I think it was, I think it was a guy who has two months sobriety who immediately fired back. Like, what do you think one beer would do? And I go. You're abs. I go. I'm not saying you're wrong, but it was it was that guy who had enough wisdom to me. And he's like, "What do you think that would do?" I go, "Oh, it set me off and running. It would be terrible." Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I know if I had if I had one beer, it may not. You know, it the effects of the alcohol may not get me drunk, but it triggers that allergy. You know, the the guilt, shame, and remorse come back. It's like, oh, my God, what did I do? Well, if I'm going to drink one, if, I, if I'm if going to reset my date, I might as well have a good old time. The alcoholic thinking comes right back, and it justifies it. <clears throat> and once, once the allergy is triggered, it's off and running. You know, for me, once I have that first drink, I can't stop. You know, I just I go and I go and I go and I go until I get to that point where I want to be. Usually, I... Go over the line, um, and, it, and it takes it, it takes a lot to get me back. Um, I don't want chancing anymore. You know, I don't want to take that chance. It is ridiculous. It's One just, is too many, and a million's not enough. It's just
0: it's so crazy that you, you get caught off guard at a moment like that, and <laughs> give it that visceral reaction when I saw that. I'm like, I couldn't believe it, but I'm not. I'm not cured. Steve, you're on mute. The catchphrase of
1: 2020, 2021. You're on mute. Yeah, it is the catchphrase. It, you know, even me, like I don't, I didn't think that, although I probably probably was a fleeting thought of it, but I still find myself, and I, I may have mentioned this on one of our things, I still find myself reading the articles about the new local um breweries that are opening up right and the you know there's a while back I don't know 5 or 6 years ago a distillery opened here in Manchester making some some booze I you know I still look at it, oh it looks like a nice place nice place for a tour like I still and every you know and, and sometimes these are long articles and about halfway through I'm like why why am I reading this you know so yeah we can still get caught up in that but um no, I don't want a free bear I can afford I can afford a bear if I want a bear I did kind of, uh,
0: if, if, uh, if there was like a free burrito at Chipotle, I would be down with that. Yeah. That might be my favorite bad habit in the world. That I could eat about 20 of those, and, and that would be bad on the back end. But I brought you guys here together. I, I have a topic, but I think this is also one of these things where I can be helped with this. So I have applied for the next level position where I work a few times. I didn't get the job. And probably wasn't ready for it and have been very satisfied in my job. I do very well. I have good hours. It's a comfortable lifestyle doing this job. I make pretty good money. And the next level is now open again. So I applied for it. And my thought process around it is I cannot be complacent in my current role. Because in corporate America, if you sit still, you are a target The way to survive in corporate America is you have to be a moving target and you have to keep growing. And I asked my old boss, what do you think? And he goes, I think you absolutely should go for it. And when I talked to my current boss, the first thing he said was, well, what would your peers say about you? Now, I think he's asking it in a way of it's getting a conversation going, because if you're promoted, you would be their manager. I took it as what would your peers say about you? Like, he's uh, intimating that, you know, nobody likes you, uh, you're not worthy of respect, you're selfish, and that set me off. And my anxiety was pinged for the rest of the day. I was at 10 out of 10, and thank God I had a therapy session. So my therapist is a uh, 12-step therapist, regular therapist, but she specializes in alcoholics. And we had to break this shit down in that session because I was a freaking mess because I failed at these roles before. Now, I'll tell you, I failed at these roles before I got sober. And that was nine, 10 years ago. It's not today. But I realized that's a great topic of the wreckage of the future. I was in, I was living in the wreckage of the future at that moment of I want to stay where I am. I want to be comfortable, and if I get to that next level, somebody's going to tell me no, it's going to be a hard interview, I'm going to get smacked out, and if I actually do get the role, I'm going to fail miserably, and I'm going to lose everything.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a scary thing that changed. I, I, I can remember being in that same situation where I had opportunities to, to take a step up and um, always felt Always felt unprepared to do that. Really, I, I was never the type of person who felt, "Oh no, I can do this. I got this." Always felt unprepared. And uh, like you, Matt, if anybody said something to me that was just a that I could take just a little bit off, man, I could have a ball with that. I could have a ball with that. You know, we were talking at my Friday night men's meeting a couple of weeks ago, uh, and there was a fellow. Who had this exact thing? He's a mechanic. Uh, He's a diesel mechanic. He took a job where he was, he he took a promotion where he got to run his own shop. But that required not him just turning wrenches, but handling emails and dealing with people. And he immediately, and and he said, it's what I always wanted to do. And he immediately got into it and went, oh, my God, I am not cut out for this. I cannot you know, I don't do this well. And, and we, and he talked about it. And I remember this feeling is that he would get an email of somebody being pissed off and he would be looking at it and it would become personal to him. And, they, and it wasn't personal. They were just pissed off at whatever the situation was. And I could always remember getting emails. I always worked on a team of salespeople and getting an email from the, from the boss of that team and thinking, Oh, this email is directed to me, but he didn't put it to me because if he puts it, the group, he could hide it. It's to me. I always felt that way. Mm-hmm. Always. Right. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, the, it's that it, I, I, when I, when I think wreckage of the future, I think fear of the future is what I think. Right. I think that's what I'm doing. I'm fearful that, um, all of those questions about myself, uh, all of all of those inadequacies that I feel, whether some are whether they are true or aren't true, um, will come to will come to, to fruition. And uh, same thing, I will crash and burn, and I will lose the good paying job that I had. So I was pretty content not to, you know, not not to take it. Though my my boss left my the boss up for me left several times, different people, and my peers told me I should go for that job. And I never decided to. I, first of all, I didn't want to be that high up the ladder. It's a totally different responsibility. And I just thought, no, I, you know, for where I was in my life, and my career, I was like, no, I'll sit here. I am good at what I do. I made enough money that I was happy with that. Um, and I knew I could do that. So, but it is, it's, it's a fearful thing. It's, it change, change is tough. Change is tough on anybody. So uh, I feel for you, Matt.
2: We'll be right back. Do as I say, not as I do. Are we that generation? Or are we doing and working on ourselves just as much as we work on the technology that we crave, artificial intelligence? And the
1: concerns, I would say, were pretty valid. But the interesting thing about that is is it
2: valid because that's how we see ourselves? Are we, are we looking at them, but then really seeing us? Yeah, I, um, I, I'm retired from, uh, a, a regional utility company for facilities. And, um, I started off my first day on the job of pushing a broom. Um, but I had that drive deep inside of me that, you know, I had, there was always, there was always something bigger, better out there, um, you know, and, and coming into this company with no skills, uh, I, I learned how to work on equipment. I went on and got a, a electrician's license. I got a master's license after that became nationally certified. I kept on ratcheting it up, you know, uh, by level, by level, by level, by getting education. And that day came to where my boss was retiring and they needed a supervisor. It wasn't a question in my mind of what I was going to do. Um, you know, and I became supervisor to guys that I worked with side by side for 16 years that's a big, that's a big transition from being from one of the guys to now being the boss. It's tough. It's not easy because now you know what's going on, you know, the little games that they play, but you have a job to do. And it's, and it's, and it's playing balance, that balancing act of still being one of the guys, but also being the boss at the same time. When the companies merged and changed once again, uh, there was a manager's position opened and I had no desire to go for it. You know, I, I had no interest. Um, and I was, uh, I was asked, Hey, why don't you apply for this? I go, ah, I'm not qualified. You know, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have the, you know, the, the, the engineering background on paper. You know, I didn't have a engineering degree. You know, I, I, you know, I had, I had my credentials. I got my education. Um, but it didn't, you know, the minimum qualifications to the job I, on, on paper wasn't qualified. I got the job. Um, and I immediately saw that how hard it was going to be within a matter of a week or two. It was tough. Um, you know, and, and I, and I've heard it a lot over the years and it even talks about the big book, um, You know, how we as people in recovery, people with uh, issues of uh, of of alcohol and drugs and sex and food that we have this. I don't know. We have this this thing, you know, we have a, a above, they, they go on, they say we have above average earning potential. Um, you get an alcoholic sober, you know, they'll go to the end of the world for you. They'll put in hours. And, you know, you, if your job is eight to 10 hours a day, you know, you'll put 12 to 14. You may put 12 in the office, but you're still at home doing emails and you're still thinking about these, uh, these things, um, you know, because we want to be the best that we can be. We always want to be Better. We always want to drive for the best. We want to be at the top of the heap, um, and sometimes that could be to a fault. But but if you know if you channel that energy, um, it can bring you to great heights within the corporate world. Um, you know, I've been retired for a couple of years. I work I work part time, and in, in, you know I'm still in the same field, but much 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 lower. on <laughs> The total ball. And even today, you know, I'll get, I'll get a call from my boss. Hey, come up to my office. My mind automatically Whoa. goes to, I, I must've fucked something up. You yep. <laughs> I did something wrong, you know, you know, and I, I think it's like, I haven't done, I haven't done anything wrong, but I feel guilty. You know, um, I, I get anxious. I get, I feel guilty. It's why are they calling me up to the office? What didn't I do? Right. What didn't I like? What didn't they like? Um, you know, it was it was not too long ago, about a couple about a month or so ago. My boss did call me upstairs and we we're talking and he go because he sent me an email. He goes, I want to talk to you about your emails here at the at the at the museum. That's like, oh, crap. that I said, something I wasn't supposed to. He didn't like how I had the uh, had pictures pinned onto the body of the text and rich text. Right? He wanted them all in HTML. That was his that, that's what he wanted, you know, but I worried over that. I, I struggled over that. I worried over it. I thought, you know, I, I, you know, I automatically went to the side of, I did something wrong that wasn't to their standard. And now I'm going to get called on the carpet for it. I'm 62 years old. I got 37 years of experience. So I could care less whether or not I go to that job tomorrow or not. Cause I don't need it. It keeps me busy, but I still worry about it. Um, it's that fear that I discovered uh, in my four step. You know, a lot of the things that i that i that i um that I went through, a lot of it was based upon fear, and that was my huge my biggest motivator um and how I survived all those years was, you know, um, to counteract the fear. You know, alcohol was a great thing because if I was afraid, I'd drink like a fish, and I wouldn't be afraid anymore Live my liquid courage. Um, but you take alcohol out of the mix. now you're dealing on your your senses alone and and what you've learned over the years um, and just trying to stay right size and not live in the future because I can't predict what's going on. Um, Neither can anybody else. I'm not, my name isn't clairvoyant. Um, It happens when it happens. And nine times out of 10, if I'm guessing what's going to happen tomorrow, I'm wrong. And if I get it one, right, it's because I was lucky It's not because I knew it was happening. Um, I was lucky. Um, And a lot of people feel this way. And a lot of people, you know, that said guilt, you know, it comes from being a perfectionism. It comes from a lot of things. Um, But, yeah, I mean, after all these years and, you know, all this sobriety I have and all this experience, I still get the same feelings. You know, am I good enough?
0: Yeah, I have a lot of fear around this. Uh, one of the things that we worked on was this fear. Um, it was a lot of fear and perfectionism. And then we started talking about when did you first feel this as a child? And I remember, uh, I remember, I'm remembering what we talked about here. And I remember that if I, um, I don't know if I've told this story before, like if I was, I was, young, my kid's age, five, six, seven. And if I spilled over a glass of water on the table, my mother would freak out to the point where the spanking spoon came out. And sometimes it was a choice between the one with the holes or the one without the holes. And she told me the one with the holes allowed air to pass through more. So it hurt more. And sometimes I got a cho- uh, choice, or sometimes I was it was bad enough that I had spilled something over that I had that. And I remember being at a friend's house, maybe when I was nine or ten, and I knocked over a glass of water, and I froze and I went into like huddle down. And she goes, oh, it's okay. Let me go get a let me go get a, a towel." And I kind of realized right there something's wrong. And that was really bad. And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I, I can understand a little perfectionism coming up when you're thinking that way, that if you make the littlest mistake, uh, you're going to get hit. And uh, spanking when you're a kid is a different feeling than if you're pledging a fraternity uh, and realizing, whoa, I've got something deep seated there. I also noticed that when I was at a higher level position in the past and I failed at it, I was maybe not actively drinking in the job, but I was drinking and had alcoholic behaviors. And I remember there was a couple things. I did not ask for help. I had to pretend that I knew what what I was doing because if you could figure that out, you'd call me a fraud and you'd fire me. I set up my own downfall. That's not how I operate now. And if you're in AA, you can't operate that way. We talked about this a little bit on Monday. Somebody had shared immediately and made my hand go up around. I forgot what he said, but it really was about saying you need to be vulnerable. You need to be honest, you need to be vulnerable, and you need to be trusting to the point that somebody could abuse that trust, but you got to do it anyways. Uh, because the more vulnerable what you need help with and what you don't know that's how you end up being successful. And I've been able to apply that in years in my current role, which is why I'm successful. I don't fake my way through anything anymore, but I just don't see the difference of
1: where I am now versus there. Yeah. That's because we take us with each other with ourselves. You know, I mean, it's like, we can change a lot of things and, uh, you know, well, it it was funny. Um, you know, just because just because we have self knowledge of stuff, just because we know this stuff, doesn't mean that we change. It's the same thing, right? You know, the, our big book tells us that self knowledge by itself will not get us sober, and 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 that that's all. Like I have lots of self knowledge about lots of things, but unless I take action on them, then then nothing's going to change. And you said a big thing there, Matt, is that one of the things I've learned is I am so more apt to ask for help today. I'm so more apt to, you, you know, the, here's the big thing is, and I, I know I'm not unique with this, but I thought I was in charge of everything. And what by, by that I mean, I thought I, I was responsible for, for every single thing in my whole life on my own. Right. And today I realized that that's true. Like the ultimate decision will always come down to me for certain things. But by allowing by by a lot by being vulnerable, by putting it out there for other people to hear, by asking for help, by sharing it, by letting people know where where I'm at, I get feedback that comes from a, a perspective that I don't have. And I've been told many a time, listen, John will tell you how many times have we gone hiking and I have said, oh, I don't think, you know, this is, you know, this is beyond me or I don't think I'm ready for this. And John would say, no, no, you're ready for this. You, I, I see how you hike. You're ready for this. And so that feedback is important. You know, that feedback is important. So. Uh, yeah, being mm-hmm. being vulnerable, putting ourselves out there, and asking for help is how we get through this stuff. So when it comes down to the future, when it comes down to that wreckage of the future, when it comes down to someone in your situation, like, hey, what should I do here? Then you do exactly what you're doing. You talk about it, you hash it over, you you think about it, and then you have to take action on it because. uh you're right. And this corporate world that you work in and I, I worked in and John worked in when he was there. John knows the hard way when, when you know, time was up and time was up and it was like, bye bye, John. Yeah, you're not going to get those last five or six years or whatever you wanted out of this company. It's, you're going now. Right. And that's what happens uh, is, is they get to make that decision.
2: Yeah, Matt, you've been, I've I've known you ever since you came in. There's no question in my mind that you're not ready for this. I mean, it's, you can do this. There's no question. Absolutely no question at all. Um, You have the skills, you have the know-how, you have the tools, you, and you've said it before many, many, many times, you know, you've brought the 12 steps into the workplace um, and you've been practicing the 12 steps in the workplace without them even knowing it, it works for you. You've been able to develop a very good team because of that. I was successful in my, my career because I did the same thing. I took the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and I applied them in all my affairs and at the workplace and I developed a team of, and we were honest and we backed people, we backed each other up and we took care of us, um, you know, of all the things I created at work, I missed that team that, you know, that we built together because I didn't do it. You know, we did it as a group. That's what I'm most proud of. Um, and I couldn't have done that unless I got sober. Where you were before, you know, trying to kind of do this, man, if you're anything like I was, my head was a mess and full of garbage and ego and uh, self-righteousness. You know, ask for help, forget it. You know, but Steve's right, he's he's right on. You know, there's, you can be just totally out of your element, but you can, you can, you can understand what you got to do, but you just need these little breadcrumbs along the way and you just, hey, what about this? What about that? And you approach it in a professional manner. Become, you, you set up a meeting with an agenda, you do it the way that corporate America like, likes it to be, and you have the meeting. And sometimes you got to manage your boss. Um, you can eliminate a lot of the fear that may be into the future, the fear of the unknown, by tackling it and, and putting things in place so they play out in a way that you can handle them. Um, fly for me flying by the seat of my pants, man, it doesn't work anymore. It just, it does, it doesn't work for me. Roll the dice and see where it comes out. Um, I still ask for, I used I still bounce things off of people. Um, you know, it's, you know, when Steve and I go, can we have five hour meetings (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that we talk about, you know, and it's, and, you know, recovery just doesn't, you just don't talk about recovery in the rooms, in church basements. Um, well, you, get, you can. You, you can. <laughs> you but can. Then It's not going to work you, well. Yeah, no, you get yourself a network. You get yourself a group of people that you connect with and that you have common interests with. And you talk with each other. You reason things out. And you get and develop a trust that, that no matter what's on your mind. You can throw it out there and say, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? And and sure enough, when you throw that out, the other persons go, yeah, that happened to me. There is so much wealth of experience and life knowledge in the rooms. Um, And if there's anything that you've gone through or going through right now, there's somebody there that's gone through it themselves. Um, And, you know, the first place I reached out for help and asked when I got my when I was. That fear of the unknown was, you know, you reach out to your sponsor, you reach out for people that are close to your network because you value their opinions. Um, and then once you're set on what are the questions? What are the, what, what are, what am I? what's my credits, what my debits, are, like a mini four steps, you understand what's going on, you really understand the problem, then you can bring it into corporate world and have that meeting with an agenda and one-on-one or whoever you got to have with it, at least it's formal and professional, and that presses the hell out of them. You know, if you can't, what's that say? If you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've done that before. And you know what, sometimes that's what you got to do because, you know, just because you get into a new job, you're going you're not different than anybody else. You know, for for me, it was that state of worry and stress until I became comfortable in there, and it takes a while. Because there's no book when they when you fill you when you sit into this new job, there's no book of how to do this. You got to figure it out yourself. The, the the person that was before you, you can get all files, but they don't mean nothing because they're in a foreign language. Um, you ask questions, you just pull yourself up and you move, keep pulling forward and you hit a wall, you ask a question, you know, you take the fear, be proactive about it and take the fear out of it and use that logical side of your mind. And it doesn't matter if it's a work problem or it's a, you know, a problem with your kids or problem with the missus or the husband, or, you know, you got a sponsee that's just not telling the mark and, and doing what they got to do, you know, doing whatever. Um, you know, it's a, it's a skill and it's a tool that is use, usable in just about everything in life.
0: I realize that part of this as well is I have a trigger around something being unfair. And I think that comes into what's not controllable. And the first two times I interviewed, there was this whole secret handshake thing that they don't tell you about, that you're supposed to know, and I don't know how you're supposed to know this, but one of the things that you're supposed to do is come with a 90-day plan and present it to them. So the first time I interviewed like this, I came with my plan, but nobody asked for it, so I didn't give it. And I didn't know I wasn't supposed to wait for it. I'm supposed to present it to them ahead of time, all right? But not doing the job, I don't know, well, what the hell am I supposed to accomplish in 90 days? And the questions were very, very vague. So I'm used to these real behavioral-based questions that I give to people interviewing for somebody who would work for me. These were not that. And I answer, I made the fatal mistake of answering their questions. What they were looking for was like when a moderator at a debate ask the president a question and you know how they never really answer that question they just they just go to their talking points and what they want that's what they're looking for so there's all of these things that in the past i didn't know and was not my experience in the past and i didn't have a great boss who did anything to prep she her encouragement one time was well i saw some of the other people applying for the position And if they're applying, well, why shouldn't you? It's a real rousing success. That's that's, that's a vote of confidence. Second time, she was gone, and there was nobody I was reporting to. Now I have some people who are willing to guide me through this so I can take advantage of that stuff. I kind of know what to put together. I still get I get hung up on those details of the black and white of what does this 90-day thing look like? And it probably is here's what I'm going to do. I got to know the people who are going to report to me. I got to know my peers. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that and kind of keep it simple. But my complex brain wants to make everything complex and I got really hung up and pissed off in the moment of I'm going to go into this thing and I have to do the secret handshake and this fan dance. And I don't want to play that bullshit game, but unfortunately, you kind of have to play those games sometimes. It's just the rules of the road. But man, I get I get hung up on what's fair and
1: what is not fair. Yeah, uh, nothing's fair, and what love and war, and now in in corporate America I mean that right there there is nothing fair about working in corporate America these days uh so yeah and I mean you got to go in there you got to you know and I agree with John you know Matt I've I've been around you enough that um you're a bright guy I don't know exactly what your job entails but um yeah, you know, I from what I've seen, you you've matured and you've moved on and and I'm sure this is something that put your mind to it, you'll do fine in this position. I don't I don't think there's any question in my mind that you'll do fine in this position. And and that's just the way and that's just the way it works. But I did love that. I did love that ringing endorsement. Hey, these guys are Hey, Joe down the hall is applying. Why not you? You're, you're about equal to him, (laughs) you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and then you're right. Uh, not knowing what to expect, but that isn't that, you know, I mean, so the first couple of interviews where you went for these jobs, now you have some experience. Now, you know, you got some insight to the secret handshake stuff. And so now, you know. You know, now you know now you can now you can put a best foot forward and again but you know what you know i was writing down some notes while you guys were talking but one of the things that comes to mind for me and it, it always is is that uh, it's really about for me turning it over to my higher power and i mean that and trusting okay this was the big thing because like john i mean i lost my job my job before john right um I lost my job. Yeah. And uh, it was the same thing. We came in one day and they decided they were shutting down my division. This was a fortune one Oh nine company. And we knew that they weren't doing well. And I thought, okay, maybe they would sell it. Maybe they would do this. Maybe they would do something else. Well, they just decided to cut their losses and shut it down. There was no selling. They just shut it down. So at, you know, at sixty years old, I found myself, you know, with a pretty decent-paying job. Hell, and all of a sudden, in the in in a snap second, it was gone. It was all gone, and um, and it was weird because I had done enough work, and and I don't take all credit for this because it just happened. But it, I just knew I was going to be okay, right? That's what I knew, and I had done enough work that I started to really trust in my higher power, and I started to really, not just by words and not just in a prayer, but really turn my life over to my higher power and to say, you know something, I'm going to be okay. And I go. I go back to this, one of these weird. It's one of these very strange things. As a matter of fact, I paid a bill today. That's a life insurance policy that I took out on my son when he was first born. It was Prudential life insurance policy, and. Uh, it's just a little term parlor. It's cost me $111 a year. I've been paying it. And you know, so it, it accumulates, accumulates, some value for him. But I remember sitting with this guy, Stan was his name. And I remember sitting with him being worried, like, okay, what's going to happen now? This is $111 <laughs> a year, annual, a year. Right. Not a month. I was worried about, I was worried about paying it. This was, don't forget, this was 30 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. It was 30 years ago. And I said, well, what happens if I lose my job? That's so why I said to him, what happens if I lose my job and I can't pay this? And he looks at me, he goes, you'd go get another job, right? And I went, yeah, of course. He goes, yeah, you'll be you'll be okay. But those are the same thoughts I had back then, right? Oh, if I lose my job, it's going to be disaster. I'm not going to find another one. It's not going to be to pay. Like all that fear, back to the fear thing, you know? And today, I, I really truly believe that no matter what's put in front of me, I'll be able to figure out a way to handle it. And if I don't know how to handle it, just like we've been saying, I'll ask for some help. And that's a totally different person. I wasn't that person. I wasn't that person five or six years ago. Never mind 20 years ago. Uh, That's just come through to some real, you know, did practicing these steps in all of my affairs. That's really what that has come down to. I practice them in all of my affairs and therefore all of my affairs are being taken care of by my higher power, not just my alcoholism, but all of my affairs. And I,
2: you know, and just to kind of elaborate a little bit more on that faith is the answer. Um, it, it really is. And, 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 you know, um, the faith that I have, um, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, just because I got sober doesn't mean that I instinctively are going to know that everything's going to be all right. It doesn't work that way. It, it, it happens from, from one, the, the, easy, the easy part, uh, doing the steps, from starting at step one and working your butt off and being 100% honest all the way through step 12 because the, the promises in step nine, they do come true. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we halfway through. I was amazed before I was a quarter through because things started to change. Um, and as I became comfortable with myself and I became comfortable with all those deep, nasty, dirty things that I was keeping hidden for so, so many years. And once I was rid of all that stuff, you know, I cast out just like Bill says in the book, I cast out all the old stuff and new stuff has to come in to fill it. And the new stuff that came in was positive energy, and positive things, you know, um, that this new way of thinking, this new way of life. Um, and, and as I worked on myself and I worked through the steps and, and started to, you know, get involved with the big book and try to understand it. And then, you know, doing things like Joe and Charlie and, um, get involved with, with groups and service work and all the stuff that you've been doing, Matt, um, you know, that, that faith in the power of greater than myself, Mike, the God of my understanding grows and grows and grows. Um, and I get to understand it. I get to rely upon it. And I learned that no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right. Because I was able to look back through my life and the periods of my life that were the darkest when I re- put my effort into, the, into, the, into God. You know, I look back and it's like, wow, that's amazing what had happened and how I got through this stuff. And it turned out Okay. So as long as I keep doing these things, whatever it is that comes down my path, it, the outcome's gonna be all right. I'll survive. Um, you know, when I lost my job, um, I had another one the next day. You know, because I had a reputation, and um, you know, and I had people people fighting over me, and I went to the highest bidder. Um, I had to work my ass off of that job and thank God COVID came and I got laid off cause I hated it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, but through this whole thing, I didn't worry about it when they, when they, you know, I kind of sort of volunteered for the layoff didn't bother me enough. You know, It it, that financial insecurity that I used to live with, I no longer had it. You know, I never think that I have enough, and I never had enough beer, and I have enough whiskey or tequila. I didn't have enough dope. um I didn't have enough. I don't have enough. I could have gazillion dollars in the bank. It's still not enough. You know, but all I knew was, no matter what happened, it's going to be all right. Something else would come up. I would, you know, at that that ten months I was unemployed, I wasn't, I didn't qualify for unemployment. We left off my pension and my wife's salary, and we were saving money. So I guess everything's going to be okay. Um, you know, and I didn't, if you'd asked me back when I, when I, um, you know, when I, when I got laid off, I said, I wasn't too sure, but you know, I talked to people and, um, you know, I'd done the work, So, you know, this day was going to come anyways, it came premature, but that's what we prepared for. So, you know, in those times of indecision or times of worry or times that the mind starts to wander and it gets into that, gets into wreckage of the future, like we try to predict what's going on. The simplest thing to do is just take a big step backwards, take a big, deep breath, say a prayer, talk to God for a little bit, reason things out pick up the phone and start calling another alcoholic and, and there's wisdom, there's wisdom out there and it'll come and it's going to be okay. No matter what happens, it's gonna be okay.
0: I think the lesson I've had with a bunch of conversations I've had recently or things have come in around the higher power stuff that I've got a little work to do there. And I think some of it is I don't have enough faith in my higher power enough and that I overthink a higher power all the time. And when I start bringing up some of these worries or I'm in a situation, maybe I I have these worries, but I'm not voicing them. Somebody comes in with a higher power discussion and it seems to be coming in right at the right time of hitting me in the head all the time. And I don't believe in those types of coincidences. I think that there are some times I I just talked to uh, a previous guest where I said, you know, you are given that grace of putting down the drink, not because God wants to save you, but because I'm going to use you as a vessel. So you get to be sober. Don't think I'm doing this for you. You are a good vessel for somebody else. So that's why you get to be sober. It's sort of like wearing a mask. You wear a mask to protect somebody else. Somebody else wears a mask to protect you. Yeah, it might help you, but you're doing it for somebody else. And I have, I have a lot of that feeling of, because if you look at people's stories where they get sober, it's like, why that guy not somebody else? There's usually a thread in the people who have good sobriety that they have a train behind them of people that they have positively influenced. So... I think that's the lesson over some of the conversations I've had recently with a bunch of people that that God thing keeps coming up over and over and over again. And I'm a slow learner like we all are. You need to be slapped in the head a whole bunch of times.
1: Yeah. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, you know, um, that's the way it works. It slowly, works works slowly from it, it worked that way for me. It's worked that way. It works that way for most people. Uh, so, and, and, and today, Listen, I'm an impatient alcoholic, right? Oh, my God. I, so. say, I, I want what I want, and I want it now. I don't want it tomorrow. I don't want it. I don't want to wait for I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want it now. Um, and it's, again, it's one of these things. And, you know, so when I get up and I say my prayers in the morning and I say my third step prayer and I turn myself, my will, and my life over to my higher powers, I understand them. And then when I do the seven step prayer and I asked for my character defects to be removed, I mean them today. And, and I know I'm, I know I'm not going to hit perfection on them. I realize that. Like, I know that I'm not going to have a perfect day. I know that I'm not going to be able to do either one of those steps perfectly. But, man, I've made some great progress. And that's what I mean. I've given myself. I, I look back now. And I've made some great progress. And. I'm able to look back and realize and, and, you know, the the thing about the promises that John started quoting, the the key word is they will always, uh, uh, they will always happen, right? That's what it is. They will always come true. Doesn't say they might, they will. Or sometimes they will always come true, and and I do believe that today. I believe those things. If I do all of this work, then my life and and I'm a living proof of it. My life becomes easier, it becomes better, it becomes more peaceful. Um, you know, I can I sleep better at night. All of those things are so much better. So yeah, it's a it's it's a great thing. Um, you know, I just, I, just, I just love what this program has given me. That's what I do. I love what this program has given me. It's given me a life that I couldn't even believe was possible. I mean that honestly. I couldn't even believe this life was possible.
0: I'm at a place where, <laughs> I'm not setting this up for wisdom. I'm at a place where I have turned the air conditioning off, I think, for my maximum amount of time because I have the mics on. What I'm trying to say is I'm getting a little warm, and I think we have exhausted this topic. I had no wisdom coming. I'm putting a bow on this one because it's all of a sudden I've reached that limit, and it's getting some pretty freaking hot in here. You're trying to tell me, John, that the humidity freaking broke. It is still freaking hot,
1: and I do not like heat. Humidity is gonna break. It'll be. Ugh. It'll be. Back. I can't wait to get up tomorrow morning for that nice, cool humidity. I mean it. Be yep. up early. I'll be out six o'clock in the morning. It's supposed to be in dis- the
2: mid to mid eighties with take
1: uh, with lower, dry humidity. Much drier. Yeah.
2: But Friday is gonna be the gonna be the key. Highest yeah. seven, well seventy five here. We're gonna to have to have jackets where we're going. Yeah, on Friday. Absolutely. We're, yeah. Steve and I are gonna go kind of h- go hike up a mountain that has uh, he- heading for the it? hills. Yeah, three thousand feet of elevation
1: gain. Yeah, yeah, about there. Not quite, but almost. I'm
2: jealous. Yeah, almost. Okay. call in well and come with us.
0: I actually did take Friday off. Now I'm thinking about it, but it's it's going to be time <laughs> for my wife and I. She's taking the day off. She has, I think, she might have furlough. Um, oh, really? She has furlough, so I just took the day off. It's like yeah, I've I'd, got. I'm I'm fortunate enough to have time to burn. Yeah, get rid of the kids. Just you and her go out and do something. Oh, yeah. The, well, we got rid of the kids
2: because they have school. So we're good. Sounds like a nice lunch someplace. Yep. That's well, it. Yeah, we're That's vaccinated. It. You know,
1: the
0: there world is our oyster now.
2: Yeah. It's enjoy, great. Life. enjoy life. Yeah. The missus and I, we went up to Boston for the weekend and we had a we had a great time. It's It's healthy for you to spend time with your spouse. We don't do, do it one. enough. And you can't get enough. I mean, you can't do too much of that.
0: No, we don't do it enough. I've got three very young kids. We're going out tomorrow night to go see a comedian, uh, which I'm very excited to see. I'm going out to see JL Covan, who's coming to Hartford. And first comedy show I've gone to in a very long time. First time going out somewhere to see anything. So, yeah, life is getting better. Enjoy. Enjoy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was at a meeting last night. We closed up a meeting. We actually held hands. It was like wow, that hasn't happened over a year. I'm uh, a little was, hesitant to do that. Yeah, it was i it it was um I wasn't gonna I was vol- off guard. I
0: wasn't gonna volunteer Monday
2: night. Yeah, I, I was caught off yeah. guard and it's like, Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Well yes, And then sir. I went out to the truck and used hand sanitizer.
1: <laughs> Still not happening at my meetings, so
0: yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for coming in here and yeah, thanks for having breaking me, this down. And if you didn't help you, it helped me. We'll see you always, soon.
1: Always helps me.
0: You made it this far into the podcast. That tells me you're a pretty big fan. If you like what we do and you find value in the podcast, consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash pod. Your donation keeps us on the air to help out the new guy and helps us to some of our costs. If you find value in our podcast, please consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com soberfriendspod.